So we're talking with Shang Peng from Fear the Fin and now with The Point at the at the Point Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this, I believe, is your second season, yes? Yeah, with covering the sharks. the sharks, that is, yeah. So um, can you give people a little background how you got here? I believe you covered Vegas before this? Yeah, well, it's a long a journey. Vegas <laughs> team? I, I grew up in Los Angeles as a Kings fan, boo. <laughs> um, I wrote for Jewels from the Crown uh, at SB Nation's uh, King site for, for quite a while. And eventually I found myself in Vegas. And I was I uh, went to Vegas because I wanted a credential covering a team. And that's where it was. Oh. And so I wrote for Hockey Buzz there. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I ended up here because uh, my wife, uh, my, my my wife got a job uh, in the in the area, and so I thought, well, I may as well just cover the team here. <laughs> nice. And so now I'm here. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, so you you attended the press conference today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for everybody who doesn't know, the Sharks front office, well, or not the front office, the uh, bench bosses were ceremoniously let go. Peter DeBoer, Steve Spot, Dave Barr. Johan Hedberg, um, there's a press conference today to announce that taking over would be Nabokov, mm-hmm. Ricci, everybody knows those guys, I would hope, <laughs> <laughs> Roy Summer coming from the Barracuda, and then Bob Bookner, who previously part of DeBoer's staff, then left to be the bench boss in Florida for two seasons, came back this season. Um, based on what happened in the press conference, there's a lot of talk about energy mm-hmm. and that DeBoer's group at this point I guess had kind of lacked it right what did you see I mean did you feel this season did it feel any different when you're like in the in the post-game pressers does it feel more just kind of uh, well you know I mean obviously you're going to get the, a lot of the cliche answers right. over and over and over pucks deep not enough this too much of that whatever well, it's hard to tell, of course, because not in the room uh, that much. But uh, there are a couple telltale signs. It seemed like they were running out of answers. That mm. you know that that uh, I I think the board said something like that uh, about mm-hmm. a week ago, uh, about yeah. a month ago. Uh, uh, Pete was complaining about, well, we'll try anybody, you know, <laughs> at the forward position. These aren't good signs, and that's <laughs> not necessarily on Pete either. Um, yeah. And um, I remember in the last homestand, um, Evander talked about the team seeming too relaxed. Yes. And so there was a little bit of that where there was something missing. It was hard to put your finger on it, but it appears that Doug Wilson found <laughs> found, found yeah. his pulse. And yeah, well, and it's funny you bring that up because it a lot of us were talking about it. That is it a telltale sign mm-hmm. to Doug Wilson when your coach has a couple pieces like a Radeal or what have you, and instead is deciding to play seven D for multiple games is that like a red flag to the front office like i don't feel like i have the forwards here to get it done help oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely absolutely. i think it was the vegas game where he first went 11 7 and he had a healthy redeal and it's not like pete is uh, i think john cooper i think doug wilson cited john cooper is a guy who is very comfortable using 11 7 pete doesn't do that and he wouldn't even go 11 7 last year when uh in a western conference final when eric carlson couldn't finish i believe it was game four in st louis and they come back to san jose and 
they they still went twelve six, and Carlson got hurt. Uh, you know, or Carlson couldn't finish the game. Yeah, and yes. so this is not Pete going eleven seven is not a normal thing, and it was a cry for help. And I understand that for Doug, it wasn't easy to help uh, because the team was up against the cap. Um, most teams in the league are still in it because we're relatively early, so teams weren't looking to sell. And of course, the Sharks don't have a lot of assets to trade. Um, so it's a combination of things. Uh, I, I think there's a hope that the Sharks could kind of hang on uh, closer to the trade deadline. There'll be more cap space available, a clear trade market, and then you could bring somebody in. But we never got to that point. Yeah, I I just wonder. Uh, I mean, okay, you can manufacture some cap space and whatnot. Obviously, I mean, I don't know if you would agree, but for me, like Brendan Dillon is the most – at least the asset that would probably bring you the most is the most movable. Doesn't sure. have a clause is at the end of his deal. Uh, to me has gotten better every year sure. as a shark. Uh, it's kind of like in his prime, like that might return something. Uh, but if you are in a win now mode, Dylan, I don't know if that's a piece that you would entertain getting rid of. Um, I, I think that that is actually kind of the one depth area. So I agree that Dylan is probably the most tradable and also a guy you can afford to trade because you have Mario Ferraro stepping up yeah. and you still have your core of star defensemen. But it's one of those things that when you're the Sharks where you're looking for something really specific. So you got to find the right trade partner. It's not mm-hmm. like you're in last place and you can, you'll trade Brendan Dillon for anything of value, whether that be a draft pick, a young player. You know that kind of opens yep. the market up for you. But specifically for the Sharks, you're looking for a probably a middle six winger who uh, can also play the power play a bit. And so that's that. You got to find the, the the matching part. Like just for example, like New Jersey, for example, has a guy Wayne Simmons. Right, he's on a one year this year. He's Kind of guy that maybe might fit 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 what the Sharks are trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. But why would New Jersey want Brendan Dillon? They're you know they're they're spinning their wheels. They're they're not you know they're they're kind of a dead last kind of team. So what would they need with a uh, you know a twenty eight year old uh, impending UFA defenseman? Yeah, they would need picks, which of right, course that's the, just an example. the Sharks don't have. Yeah, any. so that's right. So with with Dillon, even though he's tradable, uh, again the Sharks are looking for something really specific, and so I'm not sure that. Teams could could match that necessarily, right? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I just sit here being so frustrated as as a fan mm-hmm. watching this. I wonder if Doug Wilson perhaps overvalued or overestimated what he had in the pipeline. Did he expect guys like uh, Schmalevsky, Chekovic, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheko, yeah. whatever you want to say, Blickfeld, uh, Bergman? Uh, I mean, we even saw your Tyken get a mm-hmm. look early on, and it doesn't seem like any of these guys were maybe as far along as Doug Wilson had thought. It appears so uh, that that was the case. Uh, besides uh, the the names you mentioned not working out, also uh, they didn't uh, bring anybody in for a, a PTO during camp, uh, and the only UFA they signed was Johnny Brodzinski up front, and so this was a seemed like a vote of confidence in the young players. Uh, but I, I remember uh, I, I talked to a lot of scout team in the rookie games. You know, a lot of these, the prospects that you mentioned played in the rookie games. Mm-hmm. And they didn't exactly set the road on fire. Not that they were bad, but they didn't set the road on fire. Sure. And those kind of games, you're looking for guys to just stand out. Like, wow, this guy, like we kind of kind of see with Ferraro actually in the rookie games. Like this guy might, you He's know, got it. Might, might belong in the NHL today. 
And I talked to a number of scouts during those rookie games, and the Sharks did well in those rookie games, but they were like, yeah, I'm not really seeing the strategy. I'm not really following the strategy based on what I'm seeing on the ice with, uh, you know, with these prospects during these games. Well, and I think you also get a a thing where you you see glimpses. You'll Mm -hmm. see one good game and then two, eh, you know, like there's a lack of consistency. And along with doing the 11D and and maybe overrating or overvaluing the youth, I think it's also a red flag when you have to bring in a 40-year-old Marlowe. (laughs) <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And also you bring him in, and actually he plays, he's played pretty well. I, I don't yeah. think you can really complain about what he's brought for. Uh, You're getting value for your dollar, yeah, that for contract. Yeah, for, for the minimum contract and four games in the season, and um, you, you can't argue with, with what he's brought, but the fact that you're at this point where it's, you know, whatever plans you had, uh, none of them uh, worked out in terms of building forward depth, and you have to go back to the well that, you know, a couple months earlier, you sort of suggested you didn't need to go back to that well. And, yeah, there you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I, uh, I, you know, I read a lot of the uh, local guy, probably guys that you sit next to every day for, you know, game in and game out. But uh, I will say uh, that when I read some of the other ones, mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, and maybe it has to do with the audience that they're reaching, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who is, like, reading – maybe uh, NB, the, the NBC site or the Mercury or whatever, they're looking for a cursory kind of an overview. And when I read some of those, I go, oh, well, there was something I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe they point out something. Maybe uh, somebody missed a shift and I didn't catch that when I was watching the game. Oh, okay. The thing that I really appreciate about your writing is the fact that you're able to break down plays and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see some of your uh, writing. I, I might even have something up right now. <laughs> uh, I got multiple things going yeah. on. But ah, um, so like how you'll break down face-offs, including gifts mm-hmm. or include, you know, drawing on the photos and whatnot. Um, how do you, I just want to figure out like what goes into being able to break down certain things or even breaking down all these ridiculous analytics that mm-hmm. we have, whether it's Corsica or Fenwick sure. or this and or Corsi, Corsi, whatever. Uh, but you <laughs> Corsica know, was a site, so you're not it, far off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, and then you look at natural stat trick mm-hmm. and it's just rows upon rows. Like what are the numbers that you focus on that you think are more solid indicators versus other numbers? Cause one of the things that we talk about is the value of plus minus and mm-hmm. if there actually is one. Now, granted, right. if you've got one that's ex- exceedingly off the charts in either direction, that's probably a little bit of an indicator. But when, you know, or when the entire team is at a minus, eh, probably not yeah. having a good season. But overall, like, how is it that you go to break these down and what are you looking for in games? Well, first, I appreciate the uh, the kind words about the, the, the stuff that I do. Um, so... I guess for me, and I, 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 I'm a little different maybe than than other even analytics people. I don't. I, I look at all the analytics, and I think I understand uh, all of them. Uh, but I don't prioritize them in a, in a lot of ways. And part of it is because I try to figure out what the team is prioritizing, because mm. the team, whether it's the board, Doug Wilson, whatever, right. All these analytics, they know these analytics, and they've already tossed out things that don't matter. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure the Sharks don't look at Corsi. They don't care. You know, like, yeah. they, they may care on a team level in terms of that's 
uh, signaling kind of uh, the wave of play and that sort of thing. But they don't care that, well, Melker Carlson, right, is a guy who struggled in that, in that department for years. The board doesn't care about that. If the no. board cared about that, then Melker Carlson wouldn't, wouldn't be playing. Yeah, he's um, a quality killer. He, he yeah. does what we ask. And so I, I think... Uh, I, I, I like to use those kind of uh, larger analytic stats, things from natural stat trick, often as a guideline. And I, and then I try to figure out more more from there, from whatever stat that, that I may have, uh, that I, I may have uh, gleaned uh, from those sites. Uh, one thing that I'm uh, more interested in these days are what they call micro, uh, micro stats, uh, things like uh, that you see at the point hockey. Mm-hmm. And the point hockey is uh, a lot of their stats come from, and I should I should know this because I'm writing for them. But <laughs> a lot of their stats come from uh, a third party company called uh, Sport Logic, mm-hmm. and Sport Logic is a company actually that most teams in a league use for you know they they pay them for these stats so things like what doug wilson was talking about in terms of uh, doug wilson today talked about the sharks have struggled in terms of slot chances allowed yeah. right it's a very particular stat right and if you look at natural stat trick they'll have something similar it's a high danger coursey uh, against but it's not the same thing yeah. uh not but so what uh sport logic uses is very specific you know, stat very specific to that area, to that area, and so that's something that, that I'll try to look at more uh, when, uh, if possible, even though stats those stats are are hard to come by. But uh, those kind of micro stats are, for example, too how I can build a case for say Brent Burns as a defenseman as being good defensively because that's an argument that um, <laughs> a lot I've, of people are having this season, right? And it's an argument that a lot of people were having last season. And uh, just for example, um, I just wrote an article uh, for the point actually about John Carlson, a guy that's used actually not that dissimilarly from uh, uh, not that dissimilar than uh, Burns or Eric Carlson, and I want to look at what Carlson does well defensively. Uh, John Carlson, <laughs> yeah. and so anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Sport Logic uh, they they gave me some numbers for an article, and one of the interesting uh, micro stats that they gave me was that uh, Carlson, John Carlson, Carlson, <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly right. Uh, John Carlson was uh, number one in the league in blocked passes, and they also told me though, and I didn't put it into my article, but they also told me that. Brent Burns was tied with with John Carlson at that time. Uh, this yeah. was the last week, so you know, a slight update in stats. But so that's that's some that's a mark of well, that's something that that Brent does does well defensively. Yeah. And so yeah, you know, uh, Brent has his uh, failings defensively. He can get a little too puck focused. Uh, sometimes his pinches are are Real not timed. as uh, yeah are, are 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 not as safe as as they could be. And uh, these are legitimate issues, you know, like like issues, right? But doesn't mean that he can't be good. Uh, or great, actually, in other defensive areas. And anyway, so that's just sort of idea. Uh, just sort of, sort of tells you kind of, I guess, what I look at. Well, then based on looking at all that, and especially how you bring up the defense, it's been, <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen it on social media, mm-hmm. just over the last 18 months that Jones and Dell have ranked near the bottom. And you have half the the world of fans watching this saying, Jones and Dell are horrible. Mm-hmm. They do in the in Jones's contract. Oh my God! What an albatross! This, that, and the other. And look at the guys that are in front of him. You got thirty million dollar defense in front of him. How right. how is he this bad? And then you have the defenders that say, "Well, this thirty million dollar defense 
is playing atrocious in front of him. Right. And the forwards aren't doing much better. So what's your take on the whole deal? Just because, and I asked this because I was listening to um, Sirius NHL Network and a couple of the guys on there, um, they were kind of like, you know, all things can be true. Like the forwards can be playing poorly. Yeah. The defensive guys can be playing poorly. And the goalies can be playing poorly. But uh, one of the points was made that Jones, I believe, for his like first, first three seasons here, it was like, 920, mm-hmm. 910, 915, and then the last year and a half has just been sub 900, yet on paper, the defense in front of him is supposed to be better. Yeah, uh, well, uh, like they said, uh, all things could be true, right? Uh, one of the uh, common things that I, uh, I, I see a lot is, you know, when the Sharks give, give up a goal is micro-focusing on one guy. It's Burns' mm. fault. It's Jones' fault. Yes. And a lot of times, these are team you know team uh, uh, uh team uh, um uh, problems um and that's the way i like uh, yeah. I'm, i don't mean to interrupt but oh, that's yeah. one of the things i wanted to interject that i really enjoy about the writing like i was saying before oh, is that you. instead of you know everybody oh i can't believe burns missed that mm-hmm. play or he did his what we call starfish defensive right. posture where he lays out it you'll go back you know a, a couple where that puck how it got to that situation and point out that, you know, if the team plays this better, it never gets to Burns having to yeah. lay out flat. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It's, so it's one of those things where if you go back and look at it, it's going to be, well, maybe it is Burns' fault, but maybe it's 33% his fault. Maybe it's 25% hurdles. Maybe it's 10% Jones, right? So anyway, so talking about the, the goaltending uh, um, uh, in general, uh, both things can be true that the Jones and Dell have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that they have been. Uh, but also, too, that the defense has, has done them no favors. Uh, but one of the, the actually interesting things in a press conference today is um, there's a lot of talk about how, again, the, the Sharks this year are last in slot chances allowed. Uh, but I asked uh, Doug Wilson, well, I presume that this wasn't a problem last year. And Jones and Dell say percentage is you know, the same uh, right. this year as last year. Mm-hmm. And so what's different about the team this year? And he gave me kind of a non-answer. <laughs> yeah, as Wilson can, is really good at doing from time to time. So you can draw your own conclusions from that. But uh, in my uh, opinion, and I've written about this, I think a lot of it is what's different is that the middle class of this team's lineup is uh, non-existent this year. Uh, you have a very good top end, you know, stars like Logan Couture to Eric Carlson to Brent Burns. Kane and Hurdle. Yeah, sure. And you have a, a excellent group of, uh, of kind of fourth-line-ish forwards, like Mel, I think, at least, Melker Carlson, and support defensemen like Ferraro and Dillon. A lot of teams would love to have a guy like Brent Dillon as your third playing defenseman. I oh, think, yeah. you know? Um So, so, so the top and bottom half of your of your or top and bottom parts of your team are good, but the middle class, unlike last year, is 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 really lacking. And I've talked about this a lot too. And it's hard to put so much on a guy that's given so much to the Sharks. But you know, Thornton hasn't been. Uh, Last last year, I thought that Thornton was arguably the best third line center in the Western Conference. Yeah, and I believe to win, you need a strong. They say four lines, but I I I I, I think if we give that a little nuance, I, I believe you need a uh, three lines that can score. 
that are legitimately yes. dangerous. And then you need a, a fourth line that can do different things, you know, whatever, you know. Um, it's still important minutes, by the way. The fourth line minutes, you know, what's one of the, the cliches I hate too, that, oh, those minutes don't matter. They, they matter. No. They, they matter. Whether it's Michael Haley playing it or Jonas Donskoy playing it, they matter. And I can make an argument for why Haley played those minutes last year, but that's a whole nother. That's for last year. So, but anyway, the, 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 the point is that, um, I like, I, I still like, uh, 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 San Jose's best forwards, your, you know, proverbial top six forwards, but I don't like, uh, their third line right now. And if they could shape that up. And I thought that Thornton and Sorensen, those guys, they've looked, uh, uh stronger the last few games, uh, that might provide some hope. Uh, and actually, they're doing something interesting today uh, with the lines uh, that Thornton's basically been elevated to second line center. And Gaudreau, uh, who's been a little bit of a re- revelation this year, is going to get a shot at third line center. And so maybe maybe that that's that's what will help uh, 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 float Jumbo uh, back up, getting to play with uh, Hurdle. So. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I just – and maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. – uh, won't be the first or last time that's ever happened. <laughs> um, but I thought Goodrow had kind of like seen more of his success happen when he's on the wing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously Bugner is going to be trying different combinations to see what happens. I do think it is interesting that Thornton, who has really, for me at least, his legs have shown the age. Yeah. They don't seem to be as quicker uh, to evidently going to be getting more minutes. Another thing that you mentioned where you talk about that kind of middle class mm-hmm. of the group. Uh, I feel like as we were coming into this season, uh, and maybe it's just me listening to you know Wilson mm-hmm. and DeBoer and everything, but it had to do a lot with expecting guys like, well, Meyer got 30 last year. Maybe he gets 35 this year. Yeah. Uh, Sorensen and LeBanc get 17 last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get 20, 25 this year. Mm-hmm. And instead, they're, that group is actually regressed. They're all on sure. pace to put up lower numbers than last year when it seemed like it was expected to go up. Maybe that has to do with that lack of focus on team defense. And I know in, uh, I believe, either today, I think it was today when Couture, or maybe it was after uh, after the Nashville game, Couture talking mm. about that, you know, if you focus on defense, well, the offense will come. Mm. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people are really focused on defense. Right. So I don't know if DeBoer got a, got a I don't know, scapegoated for the bad play of the entire team in front of him, but... Then again, that's usually what happens to coaches is, hey, they're not responding or performing under you. We're going to find somebody else who will get something out of them. Right. Uh, well, first on those trio of young forwards you talked about, Sorensen, uh, LeBanc, and Meyer, you're 100% right. I, I think that more was expected out of them so far this season. But uh, when I talk about, I guess, liking San Jose's top end of talent, I, I think We've seen it from Timo and 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 LeBanc and even Sorensen that these guys should be able to play top nine minutes and, and play them well. Yeah. Uh, they haven't played it as consistently well as they did maybe last year, but the talent is there. So I think that that comes around, you know. Um, but yeah, in, indeed, though. It again, these are one of the you know both things could be true. Uh, <laughs> I think the board got a raw deal. He did his best with a team that he didn't build. And sure, he has these superstars, and most most coaches would be would, would, would do cartwheels to have players like Eric Carlson and Brent Burns. Um, 
so he does have that, but then he, again, the the middle class of the lineup was 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 gutted, and no one stepped up. And guys also stepped back too, guys like Sorensen and Thornton and and whatnot, right? So so that is true. On the other hand, though, when you have a, a jumbo saying today like he did that, yeah, the the, the team probably uh, probably needed a new voice. Um, that speaks volumes too. And so, so indeed they did. So if you asked me last week uh, if I believe that the board should be fired, I would have said no. But I'm not privy to the room. <laughs> I'm not privy to um, just the everyday stuff, you know, even though I'm, I'm, I'm in the room uh, sometimes. But uh, so I'm not privy to the everyday stuff. And but but when that comes out that, you know, uh, that's the belief of a guy like 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 Jumbo, obviously a, a leader of this team, you know, been here for a decade and a half now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 05. Um, yeah. So, so if he says that, then you know that that's something that Doug Wilson knows that he has he has kind of a the the, the pulse on. And so at that point, then yes, it makes sense to 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 move on from the bar, even if um, it's unfair to put it all on him. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you bring up Jumbo about that, and you know, I can't I can't totally confirm it, but mm-hmm. I can't understand why somebody would lie about it. But who knows? Uh, on social media, someone posted a photo of Jumbo, uh, basically had just sat on the bench. Their, t- their tickets were behind mm-hmm. the bench and took a picture of uh, Jumbo. And when they published it, they said, just before I took this photo, mm-hmm. I clearly heard Jumbo say, what the F is wrong with this team? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they didn't need a new voice. Another point yeah. that, um, to get back to your kind of middle six, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's... Uh, Maybe it doesn't take into it. Everybody loves the, the the shiny toy of Eric Carlson and everything like that. But you got rid of three guys that would be a second line on just about any team in the league mm-hmm. with Pavelski, Donsko, and Nyquist. That's a, a lot of offense that you've let go. 38 goals from Pavs. I believe Donskoy and Nyquist together in Sharks jerseys mm-hmm. contributed another 20 goals, 58 goals. Right. And you thought that where was that going to come from? From all from Eric Carlson and a couple, you know, prospects? Or do you know that we're not going to have all those goals there? So we need to play much harder defensively. And instead, they started off completely in the opposite direction. Um, I think that you can make the argument that. Let you know. Let's say you know. Obviously, the world doesn't work this way. And we have no idea what would have happened with uh, money and whatever. And if if these players, Pavelski, Donsko, and Nyquist, would have accepted, you know, the the money that would make up what Eric is making. But let's say you kept those three forwards instead of Carlson. You can make the argument that the team would be better right now. But my argument for that is that Carlson, at his best, and we've seen it, you know, over the last month or so a bit, and we saw it for a couple months last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, having Eric Carlson that raises the ceiling of your team uh, uh, very, very high. Uh, Eric Carlson, and I don't know if he is exactly this anymore because it's been kind of sputtering and inconsistent over the last couple of years. But when we've seen it, and we have seen it recently, Eric Carlson is one of the best players in the world. Yeah. You know, he he can turn a good team to a great team. And you can turn Ottawa into a respectable team. Right, right. <laughs> and those three, if you had kept them, wouldn't have done that. The team ceiling would have been much lower. And so if you kept those those three forwards and you let Eric go, maybe you have a ceiling that's maybe more similar to the 2018 Sharks team that mm. lost in the second round to Vegas. A very good team. Very yeah. good team, but was missing something. And so that would be, be my argument for that, that, Doug Wilson made a bet on 
the highest ceiling for his team and the highest ceiling uh, potential for his team with the assets he had and whatnot is a team with Eric Carlson. Again, this is uh, Shang Peng. You can find him on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. Yes. Yep. Uh, writing for Fear the Fin and at the Point Hockey. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.